Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy Collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy push-up bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Queen Charlotte, the official podcast, is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. Well, well, well. If it isn't all my Queen Charlotte fans out there, have you binged the whole series? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know, I know. You're still reeling from the premiere of Queen Charlotte, a Bridgerton story on Netflix. It's a lot, and it was great. On Queen Charlotte, the official podcast, we're going to talk about what made it special for you. We will talk through all of those feelings, all of the excitement of the visuals. So here's what we're doing on this first episode. We'll be diving into the latest edition of the Bridgerton universe, Queen Charlotte, a Bridgerton story, now streaming on Netflix. And if you're reeling from the first episode (laughs) and you ran over here, well, first I say thank you for starters. And yeah, I'm laughing with you because I know, I know, right? That was a lot. There's a lot to look at. There's a lot to get lost in. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And on this episode, we'll start off with a sit down with executive producer and director Tom Verica. We love that Tom lets us get into his head. There is no corner of his thinking that he doesn't let us tap into. And the first episode of the series leaves us with so many stones to turn. He'll be right by our side. Also... Casting director Kelly Valentine Hendry will pop in. She's going to introduce the brilliant cast, and we'll hear from her more throughout the podcast season. But let's go. Let's just get all up into this first episode. It is my absolute pleasure to introduce our first guest of the season, the kind and accomplished executive producer and director of Queen Charlotte, a Bridgerton story, Tom Berica. With a career spanning well over two decades, Tom has been a driving force behind some of the most groundbreaking and iconic television shows of our time. He was behind the lens of Queen Charlotte, raising up young actors and empowering creatives on set. And honestly, we are just more than honored to have him with us today and share his insights and let him walk us through the series, lords and ladies. The BFD himself, Tom Verica. Welcome. Thank you very much. Hello. Tom, you 
have been on the Bridgerton podcast before. This is Queen Charlotte. It's a whole new thing. It's really good to be talking with you. I just wanted to jump right in and start off with the end of episode one with Charlotte. Young Charlotte is sitting there on her bed and she's saying to herself, I should have gone over the wall. I should have gone over the wall. She's probably regretting getting into the carriage in the first place in Germany. (laughs) And it all just makes me start thinking about starting to tell her story in the first place. Yeah, she's quite a force. There is obviously a lot of history behind Queen Charlotte as we know her. Where we jump in, we've extracted sort of parts of our story to make it fit into our Bridgerton world. A little bit of reverse engineering from the character that Golda Rochevelle has created. So this is obviously some time before that, how she came into her power. And that was something that Shonda discussed early on, being very curious about how she becomes the woman that she is today in the Bridgeton world. As she started throwing that idea out there and we started doing research and seeing what elements we want to take, there's actually quite a few elements that are a lot of fact. And there is the disclaimer you see at the beginning that we've bent it a little bit into our world. Queen Charlotte was not quite as accurate in the latter years, but it was really important to capture the reality of this confident young woman who was very strong and living in her own world in Germany, quite successful in many avenues, be it art or science or working with the poor, philanthropic in a lot of ways. She wasn't this broken down nobody who married the king and became somebody. She was in her own right, You talk about that opening scene. It was very deliberate. I wanted to keep her a little bit of a mystery as long as we could. And that's why I started on the back of her, starting on her dress, showing her barreling down this hallway. So sure-footed, too. Yeah, India, the actress, is just extraordinary. And she has such poise and presence about her, which immediately we all gravitated to and decided to cast her in this. You see the profile of her face, and then you see her through the crack of the door, And it really isn't until she steps away and she turns around and reveals about what her life is going to suddenly change, which we don't know yet, that we get a glimpse of full on who she is and the fear, the vulnerability and everything that suddenly kicks in. So it was very uh, deliberate to try to tell us who this person is just in the way she walks. And then we literally turn the table on her pretty quickly. That was Shonda's clear nod to show the audience that this is someone who's a fighter and she's not going to go down easy. And that's something that was established pretty early on. But still, as she steps into the carriage, when she is going off, you get a, a sense that this is someone who's still very confident and feeling very sure of herself and ready to tackle anything that she'll come up against. Was the Queen's brother, Adolphus, played beautifully by Tanji Kasim? Was he in on the great experiment at this point of the story? Adolphus was really her life. She really has a chance to really make change for the greatest. She's going to be queen. And what she can do in that position is enormous. And that will go beyond the limitations of the very lovely life that they had in Germany. But there was a real opportunity. So not only for his sister, given the opportunity to have this power position, His selfish reasons, I'm sure, for being the broker between Germany and England and elevating his status to his place in the world. It probably wasn't so uncommon with a lot of people who were married off and particularly a young uh, woman to that she's going to have to be married off with someone and why not the King of England? Yeah. So he may have felt he was doing her a solid. So Anthony Bridgerton of him. See? (laughs) 
pre-Anthony. <laughs> pre-Anthony. <laughs> you were chosen. This is a great honor. It is not an honor. And you could have told them to choose someone else, someone stupid enough to want it. They did not want someone stupid. They wanted you. Adolphus, think. Why me? In this moment, we're about to see that she's finding her power in the midst of all of this. Yeah, she's about to step into not only the relationship, but royal institution. You're seeing her literally through your lens. It's a marriage between India's performance and the way you frame her. Actually, there's this moment when Princess Augusta is sizing up young Charlotte and she's, mm. you know, she's checking her yeah. out. Um, even the way India presents young Charlotte in that moment is really interesting. When Augusta was first looking at Charlotte when she first meets her, and we were extra close on Charlotte to see what's going through her mind, it was a little bit closer so we can really be inside her world as opposed to being an observer from one of the other members of the society there who are watching her. Mm. That happens with each one of her characters. We were very clear about whose perspective it was because it was a more personal journey, I think, for this show. There are times, too, where I felt like I was one of the portraits on the wall. I felt like mm. the institution looking down on Charlotte. And, you know, I'm thinking about those long dining table scenes where she's always let down. Yeah, and that was really about her loneliness and that all eyes are on her. Like you said, about the portraits, it's about the institution looking at her as if somebody did have her on surveillance. You also have shots throughout the series where you see India in the same way we talked about seeing Golda. The last time we spoke, we talked about how Golda filled a room, mm -hmm. these tall, huge rooms with her energy and her presence. And I felt like young Charlotte carried that same kind of air. It's easy to get for any actor to be swallowed up in these spaces because they are enormous. And when any of us walk in, it's quite a lot to bite off when you're processing the history, the artwork, the volume of these spaces. And with the symphony of every department coming together, be it costumes or production design or props, to support that, it really becomes the actor's ability to not have it dominate. Golda certainly commands wherever she's at. India has that as well, but we had to find those beginning steps and those vulnerabilities. So while she is in these seemingly smaller person in these large spaces, she's figuring it out. So it's her journey and foreign land that she's literally stepped into as any one of us when we walk into a new environment, assessing what's before us. The framing of that was very specific to help tell that story of of how she may have been a bit smaller. She may have been a bit more behind as she started to try to find her and then progressively as she goes on, whether it's camera angles, that is all designed to sort of parallel her power. She discovers it and she wears it. You also did quite a job on capturing young Charlotte as 10 and 7. 10 and 7 years. <laughs> <laughs> There's this moment where she's mm -hmm. invited an entertainer in. And by the way, I also read that Queen Charlotte, the real one, might have invited Phyllis Wheatley to read some poetry in real life. I don't know if that's real. I got to do some research. But anyway, back to the show. Um, she's pressed up against the window 
Tom, and she's she's trying to get a good yep. look at her new husband out there. Mm-hmm. And she's <laughs> she's still a young woman. She's human, and I think that is mark of Shonda's writing and the mark of the actors. We all have images, preconceptions of the royal world and what that looks like, and getting a peek mm-hmm. in that, but really finding mm-hmm. those human elements, how one reacts to power, and that's quite intimidating. So. It was very important, very specific, help give little peeks and windows as to they're just like anybody else and they have the same feelings. In fact, sometimes tougher because they're so sheltered from the rest of the world. Yeah, you guys unpack the real real. Some of these scenes and moments are pretty deep. I mean, even just the disappointment of the wedding night. Yeah, the wedding night, if you look back, this is certainly different from Bridgerton. Yeah. And some of our other shows, there was so much visual storytelling that we were given freedom to do. We'd put some music to it. We had Chris Bowers, who's a master, just brilliant. We had a very specific idea and images that we drew upon. Jeff Drew and I had a lookbook of images from films that inspired us. That glare that we had throughout that wedding amidst royalty, pomp and circumstance of all the lords and parliament and all the people of importance who were there to really just escape into the world of two people who we're seeing falling in love. And that's really what we set out to do. With Corey and India, we talked a lot about kind of what they were saying and had them say certain things. And sometimes I, I had them don't speak at all, just do play it all with the eyes and with a look and find a little laughter in this moment to really break down the formality that is put upon all of us as we watch that, but to really draw the audience into those little subtle moments that those who've been through marriage or in a relationship when they're falling in love, those moments that step out from the environment, whether you're in a nice restaurant or at an altar of a church where something happens and you look to that person and you're looking at one another, holy crap, we're doing this, we're doing it. To really kind of get to that, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) and it really gets into who she is as a person coming into this position of power and the pressures that she has to perform a certain way, but finding those little elements in how she approaches her friendships, how she approaches her relationship, how she navigates her (laughs) mother-in-law with each of those moments. So there was oftentimes we would have a take where we throw out convention a little bit and explore the unpredictable. And these actors really enjoyed that and having the freedom to do that allowed us to really discover some truly connective moments that may not be on the page. I definitely noticed those moments, Tom. And I wondered if these were moments in the stage direction. Yeah, Shonda was very clear about each of those moments, how we first meet the Danbury's. She is very specific in her stage directions about how that's going to look and how she wants that to feel. And oftentimes it's as specific as a particular visual or it is a feeling. And I think that's the partnership that Shonda and I have for over the years is that there's a shorthand that we have with one another. And I know if it's a look or what she's feeling just by what she writes on the script of what she's looking for. Her script, that is the blueprint that creates the ability for all that to happen. You mentioned the Danburys, I have to say. <laughs> Lady Danbury was my favorite character before. Mm-hmm. She's only become my favorite <laughs> tourist character again with her backstory. I mean... yes. Wow. And I thought it was so funny how we meet the Danburys. I really did. Later on, you 
you get to the most fortunate conversation. You know, Violet had the mm-hmm. opportunity to have a love and an intimacy that she yes. enjoyed. And yes. Lady Danbury, not so much. So, you know, mm-hmm. I have to go back and watch it. And that will be controversial. It was controversial as we were writing it, as people <laughs> read it. There's certainly no glorification of it, but I think we do a deeper dive into the complexities of this relationship. And with that, there's an edge and there's a rawness to it that is really exciting to play. Danbury's marriage was fairly common of the time. I'm sure there were some true love stories, but a lot of them were arranged and they went with it because that's what everyone did. And doing the deed. We had numerous discussions about how to carve out the different times of when these moments happened and Mm. levels of repulsion. I have your bath waiting, Mum. You gave me no warning. I had no warning. We always have a warning. Not this time. Spontaneous. Is it not enough that I must endure that? Now I must endure that without warning. Arsama and I talked about when the camera is capturing one's face and what they're going through, it might read as something different. So we really experimented with different tasks. The act is happening, but she's multitasking. That moment, young Agatha says, I was able to work out some correspondence. Yes. I'm like, oh, wait, she's talking about during sex. There you go. You caught that. Yep. <laughs> okay. She just had that <laughs> That's look. exactly right. Yep. <laughs> she was staring out. She wasn't looking stern or angry. She just was fixated on her task. She was writing a list. (laughs) Yep. Oh, maybe I'll get some special stationery to write. Exactly. She was a trooper. She was a trooper because people laughed out loud, the table reader, when they first read it. So in the execution of that, we, again, very specific about how we see the headboard first and then discover her face and wonder what the hell is going on. I still laugh out loud. Tom, let's talk about Brimsley, Mm -hmm. Mr. Five Steps Behind. Your Highness. Walk with me. I have questions. Uh, That is not how it is done, Your Highness. What do you mean? You walk there and I walk back here, Your Highness. You cannot walk with me. I'm always with you, Your Highness. Five paces behind. Five paces behind? Five paces behind. Always, Your Highness. What is your name? Brimsley, Your Highness. Brimsley. Tell me about the king. He is the king, your highness. Yes, and? He is the ruler of Great Britain and Ireland and the colonies, your highness. Yes. He has been monarch. Grimsley, you have told me he is the king, he is the ruler, and he is the monarch. Those are all the same things, are they not? They are all facts, your highness. The first time walking five paces behind Charlotte, can Mm -hmm. you talk about what that space is, that location, and how you accomplish that shot? Sure, that is St. James Palace is the location in the story. St. James Palace really consists of a couple of different locations, primarily uh, Hampton Court Palace, which is where we shoot here in London. That's where we film a lot of the, what doubles as our St. James Palace. But the church itself was in Oxford. We also shoot down in Wilton as a piece of St. James. So there's numerous different places, but that particular stairwell is in St. James Palace and definitely is of the period. And we use that when you really think about it, the scene right before when Augusta is seeing her, um, it's a completely different, it's two hours away <laughs> where that next scene takes place. But this was initially written as a hallway. Okay. And I pitched it to Shonda. I said, I think we have a number of hallways. What I would love is that if she's going up to get her wedding dress on and go up to her suite where she's being dressed, uh, it would have been on, on, on an upper floor. 
So I showed her pictures and sent Shonda pictures of this location. And I thought this stairwell was very visual. And she was completely, she says, yeah, that as long as it works. And I said, it, it might actually really highlight the five steps behind on the stairs to which she completely agreed. So it went along three walls that went up and we had this crane that kind of just uh, panned as we boomed up with it, uh, with them as they moved. And I wanted them, when they finally had their conversation, to be on that little landing that was between uh, that final stretch of stairwell. And I wanted servants coming down behind them. As I know there's two, two servants that come down and give a bow to slightly start to introduce the world that people need to bow to her. And she's completely um, unknowing of that's happening around her. But his, the scene that was one of the first rehearsals we had with these two actors, with India and Sam, and we just rehearsed it in this rehearsal room, which is in a circle. So I told them what I was thinking about doing and be much clearer and much easier once we get into the space. But they worked out what those moments were. Okay. In a circle. <laughs> yeah, in a circle. That's what it was initially because <laughs> okay. you just needed to move five steps and then stop. That's not maddening at all. <laughs> no, not at all. It was a little bit like musical chairs. <laughs> it was like you're going around these chairs. But it really... What we were really tapping into was the dynamic of him, Brimsley, young Brimsley, protecting the king and not wanting to reveal too much, but really having his duty. His, he's been raised and we came up with, he's finally got the assignment, the detail of the queen. So this is a big deal that he doesn't want to mess up. So at all costs, he wants to give her whatever she needs and be the perfect, uh, the perfect wingman for her. So he was quite nervous about making sure that he was has done everything that he's been brought to for this moment uh, to to handle the queen. So that you have two people who are really figuring out their roles and trying to, to right. trying to understand what that is and his nervousness of not of wanting to stay by the book and be uh, not try to be friends, not try to show much, but really just deliver what is expected of him. And he gets flustered, which is really wonderful when she tries to get him to get a little dirt. <laughs> we were talking about the show and the Brimsley character and how Hugh Sachs oftentimes um, in the Bridgerton world, he's often can be perceived as set dressing, just always being there for the queen. But I choose to really look deeper and look at those layers. And I will do a close up of him because his point of view of judgment on this whole of what's happening before the queen uh, really comes alive when you give focus or give lens to that bystander. I think collectively viewers saw Brimsley in the first season where the queen would always tell him to scoot away when they had business, whistle down mm -hmm. business to discuss. And I'm like, okay, he talks too much. But yep. I see him in a whole different light now. Love he knows where all the sense. bodies are buried, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> His progression and the way this entire series leaves so much for us to fill in was incredible. I'm so happy to yeah. because Shondaland has a good flashback. Just in my own viewing experience, some of my favorite TV flashbacks and flash forwards are mm -hmm. from, and I know I'm not alone, but my favorites are from, mm -hmm. from Scandal. I am not the only one that freaks out over Olivia's bangs in a uh -huh. flashback, but I was wondering <laughs> if there is something in the secret sauce or in the creative huddles that you all have, because Shonda crafted flash forwards like a delicacy. 
That is really Shonda. She has a touch and a feel. So that was all clearly scripted and almost exactly as it was scripted. This is probably the closest uh, we stayed to what the final product was and what the script was. And I think that's because Shonda wrote just about all of it that she had it in her head. So a lot of it is really kind of a taste for what she feels might be overdone or gratuitous or when the time to transition that that really becomes the crafting about when to pop out. You have quite a blank canvas to paint when you've only gotten to know Queen Charlotte and the Bridgerton world just through that prison. But when you start diving into her personal world, when it comes back, we had the guidelines of what history was, really the crafting of the story of what Shanta created really allowed her to play with the timeline. She is a master at doing them. I think she writes them brilliantly. Her storytelling is just on point. All right. I've got to ask you about working with the Queen's children. Mm-hmm. Talk about the tone. This is a much darker tone than we're used to in the Bridgerverse. Yes, which says sorrow is prayers. Her ability to flip-flop between comedy and drama is amazing. Our actor who played young George was terrific and gifted, and we wanted to keep levity wherever we can and bring that through. And he certainly brought it. He, and as evidenced in, in some of the later episodes, uh, Jeff Jure and I, our director of photography, we had images oftentimes, and we pulled from where it was one of those sort of Vegas-like moments uh, in a painting where there were so many little things happening. So I had a very visual thing in mind when we come into that room with Queen Charlotte to see her kids for the first time, the introduction, the pockets. Part of the story is I need to loosen these, loosen them up and have them smoking. Some of them had their jackets off. So I really wanted to muss them up a bit. And in a fun way, I really kind of wanted to create this mess of this royal kids. <laughs> it's so funny. Hugh Sachs, Love as it. he plays Brimsley, the way... The way he reacts to the Queen's children, <laughs> the Queen's adult children, are they know it's dead on. And it is so funny. A lot of people wouldn't cover that character normally or just feel him there. But I wanted very much his judgment of this. So even moments like <laughs> I remember at the end of one, she says, make me a baby. And she storms out of the room and he follows her. And I said, Hugh, throw a look back. I want you to throw a look back. Get your shit together, you... <laughs> And he did it, and he did it beautifully. He did it perfectly. It was so good. The way he throws his head over his shoulder. Oh, my goodness. I love it so much. I don't know what to call that relationship between... Dependency. (laughs) And they take care of each other enormously on and off set. Mm, And that that definitely reads on camera. Yeah. The scene, the scene where the queen tells Brimsley, you know, stand over there. Yeah. Yeah, that was she three. She didn't yep. really like what he said. He hit her with some truth and caught her in a way that she wasn't expected. But he knows her better than anyone. He's seen how she does. He resisted. He didn't want to hurt her feelings. He wanted to protect her. But that little truth and that little shared moment of vulnerability and reality, she didn't want him to see her kind of get choked up. So, yeah, she just resorts to what their positions are. Stand over there. Face the other way. <laughs> oh, it was so good. Wow. It was so good. Right. In that moment, too, it sounded very... Shondaland mm-hmm. to me. Do you think that the cast came in knowing, already familiar with the style? There is a style and a language that we bring to it that most of these actors do not know. And I've had conversations with them because they're classically trained. They're trained in a certain type of behavior 
and a way in which to carry yourself. So in cadence, in how sharp the tongue might be is just different. With Shonda's writing and whether we work it with pace, but stylistically, they're used to it now, certain actors who've been doing it for a while in the Bridgerton world, but we definitely have to work them into getting that rhythm that is different from the classical rhythm. I like to try to shake up those rhythms anyhow. Yeah, there is a style. There is definitely a style that people who know Shondaland can, they can pick up on it. And that rhythm is just, it's just very familiar. Mm -hmm. I'll say that. We had a rehearsal period with this uh, because it was essential, particularly because a lot of these characters were brand new and they were just getting to know each other. So that was invaluable, the time that we had for the two weeks before we were filming to answer a lot of questions. What was their character in the Bridgeton world? What are we portraying here? How much are we playing with the accent? Is it mimicking that? So there was a lot of discussion about pace and rhythm and shaking it up, keeping it very spontaneous. We'll be right back with Tom and more on Queen Charlotte, the official podcast. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. The way the footmen, servants, and even the portraits along the dining walls were like all peering down over on Charlotte. What I was wondering though, and maybe this is in the script, maybe this was in discussion, but are they looking at Charlotte like she's an oddity? Or are they looking at her like, does she know there's something that's not quite right? that there's something more to the fact that the king is not with her. How are they actually perceiving her in that moment? Our footmen are not, you know, and it's probably all through perceptions because it's really from her point of view that she's seeing that. But what we instructed them to do is uh, they are by the book. She's the queen and they serve the queen as they do. There's no judgment. The only time we had them break Uh, is when they weren't quite sure what to do, like when they started to get busy on a dining room table (laughs) or (laughs) where they start to look at one another. I love that moment. (laughs) But oftentimes they're really, they're eager to please. So if she's not, if something is slightly off as the build happens, I think they look to one another as to how do we correct this? How do we get this right? What are we doing wrong? It's interesting because I felt almost, in the way you can feel secondhand embarrassment, I felt like this secondhand curiosity because we're fresh off of how princess augusta smudged her cheek just mm-hmm. wondering if that's a thread for everyone i think that's probably real i mean there was certainly discussion so i think that in a moment when you show a close-up of someone like that 
you can't help but project onto that. Are there any locations that presented crazy challenges? There's so many. The biggest challenge, there were scenes where actors were never in that scene with the other two actors. And we put them against a green screen and filmed them a month and a half later and dropped them into that scene. The one that comes most to mind, and it was with the Ledgers, when we first meet young Violet and her mother, and she's talking to her father who's sitting on the chair, and he's reading the paper, and she's, Daddy, questioning him all about society, and the mother's kind of judging who Agatha is and everything. And they were never in that scene together. We had one day at this location... The night before, we found out one of our actors had tested positive, but we couldn't lose his location. And I remember sitting in a bar with Jeff Jor and Anna, our <laughs> producer, and we're deciding, do we cut bait, lose this location, and put this on the edge of the schedule and try to get it when we have the actors together? Nope, we're going to go through. We're going to do it. And they thought I was crazy, but I talked them through exactly. I said, here's what we can do. Each of those scenes, there's probably about three or four scenes where our Keir Charles, our actor who plays Lord Ledger, was not in those scenes. And we filmed him on a green screen later. These are the things that challenges the reality of production challenges that we have. I'll give you one more. The scene in episode three where Charlotte and George, when she comes in and they're having dinner at the table. And she says, will you stop that breathing? You annoy me, everything you do annoys me. Yeah. He gets up, he comes over to her, and then they start having sex on the big table. Yeah. And everyone's looking around and all the servants of one another. So funny, that's so funny. Our young Brimsley was never in that scene. How did you do that? I shot him against a green screen. <laughs> he was supposed to be in the scene, but he couldn't work that day. And so we shot him against the green screen. So all his looks to Reynolds, when he looks to Reynolds and he's ushering people out of the room. That's the magic of filmmaking and the challenges that we have to do. And it is amazing how it looks seamless. It does. And that's <laughs> one of the biggest LOL moments of I the laughed entire season. so hard. When I saw the first cut of that, <laughs> I laughed out loud. I laughed out loud. It's so funny. These are the elements of the puzzle that I love as a director trying to figure out how do we pull this off? How do we do this? Working with Jeff Jure, he and I have a shorthand. He's just brilliant at lighting and the visuals of what we had, the spontaneity that we constantly stay committed to. Lynn Paolo and her work on costumes was just extraordinary. Very clear decisions about George's ring. And there was so many elements, the jewelry of the Royals. And there's so many specifics that are in there that you can see that probably can get lost. But again, upon rewatch, you can see a lot of layers as to what we did. I love one of our sequences was the funeral procession and the VFX that we talked about. Because again, we can only have so many background actors. So we did tiling and created kind of streets of people just lined up when we didn't really have that. Those are very specific visuals that we storyboarded and knew exactly shot for shot what we were going to do with that, ending with a close-up of Golda through the glass as she peered out and saw the whole crowd and what that what she was going through. The work of this crew, I'm just incredibly grateful, appreciative of what everyone brought to this, and I'm very proud of what we did. It was a pleasure watching the series several times. And it's really an honor and a privilege to be speaking with you. Thank you, Gabrielle. I love speaking with you. I love your questions. I love your investment and thoughtful and introspective. And I really appreciate talking with you and appreciate your insight. After the break, casting director Kelly Valentine Hendry drops in. She's going to introduce us to more of the Queen Charlotte cast. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. 
Pack your bags with just arrived swim, cover ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made to be seen, very sexy push up bra from the Very Sexy Collection in on trend hues like black shine, green, and citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape Fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Kelly Valentine Hendry, casting director of Queen Charlotte, a Bridgerton story. We're so thrilled to have you as a special guest, and you're responsible for bringing together this amazing cast and helping bring this story to life. So let's just start with discussing your overall thoughts. What's been going on with you since being in the throes of casting? Since the last time we spoke, it's gone rather well, hasn't it? Bridgerton has continued to become a global phenomenon with the most beautiful, kindest cast and the showrunners and showmakers. It's just one big happy family, which I'm just so honored and proud to be part of. And then when you get a chance to have their little children, which is what I consider Queen Charlotte, this byproduct of an already incredible piece of work mm-hmm. for it to have completely its own identity within something that has got its own identity anyway it's quite special that it's been able to do that so yeah I've just been really busy I've been very lucky I think everyone will have watched this by now so I'm excited yeah. to see what the world thinks of what we've been doing and we've made some new right. stars as we've gone along which is great when did your process begin So I remember we started out early, quite rightly, and I work with another casting director on the show called Cole Edwards, who used to be my associate, who also helped cast the last season of Bridgerton. So this shot late January, February 2022, and the two of us started November time in 2021. We were out of lockdown, but it was still very much not in person, certainly not in the UK. And I remember very clearly standing in my kitchen and having a call with Betsy and Shonda. And we had our first discussion about what Queen Charlotte was going to be about and what were the expectations for a young Queen Charlotte. And at that time, we were very much focusing in on young Queen Charlotte and young Lady Danbury and how we would go about approaching, I think I'm not wrong in saying iconic figures now, with two very specific actresses. You know, yeah, Golda and Adjo are not, your everyday finds they are so unique in who they are as actors they're incredible and who they are as people as well and that's one thing that Cole and I always love to do is we always tend to find people who are quite close to the personalities of the character so a lot of that reality is based already in that person's soul so when we're being told to cast a young Golda and a young Adwa let's just say the challenge was a big one So we started the process and the truth is at that point, scripts were still being written, but we had the beauty of having these two very well drawn out characters already with two wonderful actresses playing them. So we knew that we had an essence to go from. So Cole and I felt very confident being able to go out 
and start the casting process with, if I'm honest, fake sites, the audition pages, we yes. call them sites, yes. So we went out and it was a long time ago and I'm pretty sure we used sides from the original show. So there was an essence of the character. I double checked through our breakdowns actually recently and there was no information. They knew that it was part of the Bridgerton world, but we were generally looking for an actress of this age with this type of accent. And that was it. And who was free, obviously, key to the process that is actually available. And so we went off and we started with our massive search, as we do with Bridgerton in general, and we start with the self-tapes. And I'm not just saying this, it's when the tapes of the people that were eventually cast, the very second, three seconds into the reads, we knew that's who we would end up casting because they were perfect. How many had you seen? Oh, that would be telling, wouldn't it? We always see a good couple of hundred at least, but when India's tape landed, that was one of, I'll never forget that. She is young Queen Charlotte. She is young Golda. And here's the thing, India had a body of work already. She had done some excellent shows in the past and she'd cut her teeth and she'd done Line of Duty, just like Claudia had. She'd So she wasn't new to us, but when Arsima's tape hit, that is someone I'd never seen before. And Arsima is quite an extraordinarily young woman, as you can tell. American also, which kind of threw me. I was like, oh gosh, are we going to cast an American accident person to play Lady Danbury, who's got the most English accent I've ever heard? So yes, so that was the timeline. You were going to say something was a blessing. What was a blessing? Finish that thought. We've been living Bridgerton for a long time. and. We care so much about it and we invest so much in these young actors. And that's one of the things I'm most proud about, the casting on Bridgerton in general, is that there are a lot of young actors there and older actors too, who I really feel have worked their entire lives and not been recognised for it. And I think the global appeal of Bridgerton has thrown these people into the limelight and I've seen people's careers change in front of us. Every single person that is on the set of Bridgerton is an incredible actor. And we're blessed before we even start because we know the material is going to be excellent. We know the directing is going to be the best that we ever can be. So when we are inviting these young people to tape, we know that they're going to be put into the best possible space, this comforting and intelligent. And we can put young, fresh talent in there and we know they're going to be looked after and they're going to be guided in the right way. And I think that is really special. And I don't say that about many shows. That's amazing to hear. And I'm wondering if that is something that for you, being a casting director and being in this industry for so long, gives you a special sense of pride or gives you an opportunity to look back on your career at this opportunity to do just that. The respect that is given to casting as a head of department on this show is incredible. And I really feel like everybody trusts what Cole and I thought. And they take our advice. When I say to them, guys, we're not done yet here. We need to keep on looking. They don't question it. We are given the space and the respect to do the best job that we can do. And I think that comes across in the casting on this show. But Bridgerton and Queen Charlotte as a Bridgerton story, there's a rhythm in the dialogue. It's difficult. They, it's a lot of words and it takes an excellent actor 
to just make it feel so light and airy. It's an amalgamation of strong writing, of course, and actors that have the ability, I always call it on Bridgerton, they dance with the text. Mm. And when we're asking for self-tapes, I actually can see quite a lot of people that can get through a lot of people as a result because people can either do it or they can't. And when they do it, like India or Arsama, you can't ignore it. You know that actor's going to get really far in the process. I do agree. You could literally see them dancing with their words like a kitten with a ball of yarn. Ball of cashmere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cashmere. <laughs> yeah. No yarn um, here. <laughs> <laughs> cashmere. Gold dusted cashmere. Quite. I'm really excited to hear what everyone has to say about this show. It exists so much by itself, but so beautifully alongside. I'm so excited. I have to say, this group of young actors are so extraordinarily humble. And I just cannot wait to see what's going to happen to them for the rest of their careers now. They deserve all of it. They're so hardworking. They're so kind. They're so patient. They're so talented and good to each other. And it's a lesson to be learned for so many young actors that this is exactly how they need to behave. They're beautiful. So I applaud them. I think you're right to be excited. And we applaud you, Kelly. Thank you so much for your time today. <laughs> you're so welcome. You're so welcome. All right. So I just want to thank Kelly Valentine Hendry and Tom Verica again for joining us. We'll hear more from them throughout the podcast season. They are full of insight from the early stages of development. And, you know, Tom touches pretty much every aspect of production. So make sure you grab your favorite snacks. Uh, may I suggest some cakes and teas? And just find us here every Thursday. After you watch an episode, we can settle in and explore everything from character development to behind the scenes secrets with our brilliant cast and the creative teams. And of course, we couldn't talk about Queen Charlotte without speaking with Shonda Rhimes, the mastermind behind this captivating world. And again, some of the casts are stopping by to take us on a journey through their characters and personal stories, which truly come together to make this series as enchanting as it is. This is like that extra sliver of cake that you went back to the kitchen for. Don't, don't worry, I'm in the kitchen too. It's okay. We are here for our sugary confection. No servants or footmen to stop us or pick it for us. And we're just, we're just going to enjoy this together. People found it slightly ridiculous that I was on a horse. I, Freddie, was on a horse. Uh, everyone was watching. So I had, to, I had to try and play it as cool as I could. But I, uh, oh boy, was I sweating. <laughs> you smashed it though it went very well yeah it did i'm glad i wasn't wearing a heart rate thing next week actors sam clement and freddie dennis dig into the brimsley and reynolds of it all and they share tales from their auditions queen charlotte is full of love and loss it's also full of laughter so this will be a really fun kickoff to some of our episode recaps with the cast and i really I really can't wait to share Sam and Freddie's story with you. Queen Charlotte, the official podcast, is executive produced by Sandy Bailey, Lauren Homan, Alex Alche, Tyler Klang, and me, Gabrielle Collins. Our producer and editor is Tari Harrison. 
subscribe to the podcast anywhere you get your favorite shows. Get the book. I'm a crispy turn the page, smell the binding kind of queen, but you can download it. And you can find Queen Charlotte, a Bridgerton story on Netflix. We'll see you next week. Queen Charlotte, the official podcast is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.